I'm Fathery. This is Dave. And this is Text Trek. Engage. Welcome back to the Starship Texas for the 148th installment of the Text Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we have deep talks about Star Trek. And today is really special. Uh, Dave and I actually have two guests that are beaming aboard today to talk to us about the work they did writing on Star Trek. Uh, specifically, uh, they have the story by credits on two season four deep space nine episodes we're talking about indiscretions we're talking about little green men uh ladies and gentlemen i have on board tony marbury and jack trevino tony and jack how are you doing we're doing great how are y'all we're great fantastic to have you here father i'm gonna make a minor correction i think because i when i was making jotting down a few notes for this i kept doing the same thing i believe it's indiscretion singular not plural is that right correct Oh, yeah. I always say it wrong. Then I always say indiscretions, plural. Yeah, um, I, it's, that's, well, that's what I'm, I meant. I'm sure he had a lot of them, actually. So, <laughs> yeah, really okay. yeah, Gold Ducat had a, had a few, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like I always think of titles as having double meanings, you know, or like you know, and, and stuff like that, especially in Star Trek. So, uh, so it did feel like the the plural sort of felt right in my head. But anyway, <laughs> minor stuff. <laughs> well, well, no, I'm glad you uh, corrected me because that way someone else doesn't have to. <laughs> Because I'm sure someone would have. But but yeah, these these are two episodes we talked about recently. If anyone wants to go back and check out our Deep Space Nine season four coverage, uh, we've been watching that show, Dave watching it for the first time and me watching it for the 47th time. So so Dave's just seen that and we thought it'd be fun to actually uh, talk to the, the writers involved with those stories. And, and not only that, but the two of you were involved with the open submission policy that star trek used to have started by michael pillar where yeah. anyone in the world could could send in scripts to to these star trek shows at that time yes yes that's something uh, i think that yeah we can, almost can't even conceive of right now so yeah what what was that like or how did that how did you find out about it i suppose uh for me uh I, I well, I used to work at a TV station, so we actually picked up Next Generation, and I strung it up before it aired and watched it. I was like, oh, that's, you know, it's pretty good. Not Star Trek, but, you know. And uh, we watched it, and one of my friends used to work at the station, too, and they killed Tasha Yarov. And I was, that made me mad. But she found out that, hey, they take open submissions. Mm -hmm. And so we found out what that was all about. And so we came up with an idea how to bring her back. So uh, she lived in Mississippi at the time. And I lived here in San Antonio. This is pretty much pre-computer. You know, most people yeah. didn't have them. And so when we came out, I would fly to Jackson and I would sit down with her and we, we fleshed out a, a story and a plot. And then we divvied up who's going to write the acts. We went, uh, we went. I think we had gone somewhere and we bought some old scripts to find out how the format worked because there wasn't any of those programs available at the time. And we divvied it up. So she actually had a computer and a dot matrix printer. <laughs> and uh, I would do everything longhand and I would write it and then I would mail it to her and she would put it in there and print it out and mail me back that. And we just kept this going. Um, until we could, you know, almost got a script going. And then we found out, oh, you know, Denise Crosby's coming back. And we're like, oh, damn. <laughs> and so we saw yesterday's Enterprise and went, uh, that doesn't affect our story. And we just kept going. 
And so we got uh, the story done um, and everything. And we decided she was stupid. She called me and says, hey, Linda Snodgrass, she's a writer, was going to be in New Orleans for uh, a con. And that would probably be, I think, in 90, 91, maybe, in New Orleans. She goes, we got to go. We got to go. So I said, okay. So we flew to New Orleans just to go see her. Found out she quit. <laughs> and we're like, okay. So, but we approached her and she was very nice. And, you know, she sat on with us and another guy. And went through some of the stuff telling us the ins and outs, like, you know, you better make sure you have the format right, because they'll go through it. And if they don't see anything, you know, if it's not right, they don't even look at it. So she just gave us some tips on the do's and the don'ts, you know, and don't call and don't do this. So the, I believe that was around June. And so September, we mailed off our script and everything. And then we just did this. And What, uh, what year would that be? I think, God, it's so long ago. I think that was around 91. Okay. Yeah, I think it was 91. So we just waited, carried on. You know, um, I was going to get the call if it came because we, we decided to do West Coast because in, in the Guild, I was West Coast, she was East Coast because the Mississippi River Splitters. And so come November, she's like, I'm going to call. I'm like, don't call. I'm going to call. So she calls. And she gets a, they respond and say, well, it's sitting on some producer's desk right now. It's like, what? Really? So we waited and waited. And so then in May rolls around and, uh, or April, April, May 92, I think. And she calls me and says, hey, uh, one of the script guys is coming to San Antonio for con. We got to go. So she flies in. We meet, I don't know if you know the name Eric Steelwell, but he came in and and he said, oh, yeah, there's a couple of scripts still sitting there, you know. So we, you know, we enjoyed the con and just sit there. And one day, uh, like maybe a week to 10 days later, I'm like cooking dinner. I've got a two-year-old at the time hanging on my leg and the phone rings. Of course, I'm thinking solicitor. And it's Lolita Fat Joe going, hi, this is Lolita from Star Trek. Can you hold? And I'm like, what? And when they called, and they said, hey, you know, we really liked your script. We're not going to use it, but can you pitch? And it was like, what's that? And they said, well, you can do it on the phone or you can come in, whatever you want to do. And of course, you know, who's going to pass on going to LA? I've never gone. <laughs> so we, you know, we set up a session. And at the time I was working at one of the TV stations here and my boss was super cool. He's like, let me have the time off to go fly out there. And, and everybody's giving us all these suggestions and, practicing and they're saying oh it's going to be like 10 minutes tops and blah 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 so anyway we went in we met with uh jerry taylor joe manowski and the, i don't think it was brandon Bro i can't remember the third and so we just started pitching and everything they're very attentive like we pitched out stuff where we paired uh troy and warp a lot and i remember they asked why did you do that and i said because they're opposites you know she's more the mind and, and more, you know, feminine and he's more brawn and masculine. And I just think those two things work together. So you, you did see some more stories with them paired, but they weren't ours. So anyway, uh, they didn't buy anything, but they, you know, they, as we were walking out, they said, Hey, you know, next time, remember, you can give us a call. So that meant they like what we were offering, didn't buy anything. So we would make phone call, you know, we call and schedule a pitch session where we had about five or six or seven good ideas and again my boss was super cool and be like sure take a long lunch because you know i'm dealing out with a two-hour uh time delay so a lot of times i try to make the pitch around my lunch but it's really whatever they wanted if they wanted five in the morning i'd be going sure mm -hmm. uh so we we did a couple of pitches and uh we pitched one like i think in november we pitched uh one where we had it was it eventually became the next phase uh but we pitched one that was more of a troy and her mother story and it had to do with being dead and no one could see you thinking you're dead and stuff well they ended up calling us and they did they just bought the idea and there's no story credit involved but they took our idea they bought somebody else's idea and merged them and that became the next phase so we could kind of see some elements and that was kind of cool. You know, we got a one-time payment, which was mm -hmm. nice, a little thing. And 
you know, we, we pitched quite a bit. Well, after a while, you know, my friend and I, we were kind of like, she don't want to do Star Trek or whatever. And at this time, uh, they would write little articles in the, you know, the paper with us, whatever. And I got a lot of phone calls. I mean, I get phone calls from people, you know, telling me I'm a lawyer. Can you get me? I'm like, dude, you gotta, you just gotta submit. I have no clout. I mean, I did, you know, I just, this is how you do it. I have no, but one guy called me up and said, Hey, can, you know, I'm doing stuff. Can you just sit down and talk with me? And I was like, sure, I can do that. And that guy was Jack Trevino. <laughs> <laughs> so we met and he, he told me some of his stuff and we clicked and, you know, my friend didn't want to pitch anymore. And, and so uh, they really didn't care if I changed partners, you know, cause I was, I guess I had an in as far as pitching. So I just brought Jack with me because this would go into play later with Jack doing the same thing later down the line. Cause kind of once you were in with them, you know, you had uh, access to schedule pit sections. So that's what we did. We sit down and uh, you want to take it from there, Jack? Well, I had been, um, I had been uh, part of the open submission policy as well. We, heard, we found out about it at work because we used to watch The Next Generation on the weekend. And then we talk about the episodes on Monday at lunchtime and it wasn't too good in the very beginning. They, they didn't, you know they hadn't found their way so a bunch of us said well let's let's do a script but i'm the only one that you know that followed through on it and i i sent in two scripts and they both got rejected so i was pretty dejected and then my wife read a, a an article in a local newspaper parade magazine and tony and donna were featured on it and my wife said why don't you call her up just talk to her see what she did so i did and that's how we started uh, our relationship uh, partnership. Be great. It, it sounds like um, you know, uh, even though it was this open policy that there was there was legwork and hustle and all this stuff involved. It wasn't. Uh, it, it was not an. It doesn't sound like an easy thing. Well, no, you're right. There was. I mean, especially back then. You know, we look at how things are now. I mean, it's pretty easy to sit down and write a script. I'm not saying it'll be good, but it's pretty easy. Right. Well, back then, you just didn't have the technology uh, to do it that fast or that easy. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was hard. It was something that took up a lot of time. I mean, uh, you know, my kids were probably two and, you know, five years old, whatever. They didn't care about Star Trek. They still don't, actually, unless it's the board. <laughs> they consider that a monster, so they'll watch it. Um, but, yeah, they, it, it was. But, you know, it was just so much fun. You know, doing that because you know who doesn't watch any shows and think, oh, I can do that, or I can write something better than that. And again, you know, you're not going to know if you can do it unless you try. I mean, what's the worst they're going to do? Send Klingons to come beat me up? That was a terrible <laughs> script, you know. Um, so yeah, it, and I got to meet Jack. I mean, Jack, like I said, we we hit it off. I mean, a lot of people go, you're going to meet this guy, and I'm like, well, you know, he didn't ask for anything. He just wanted to talk. I mean. You know, that Linda Snodgrass didn't have to talk to us, you know, but she did. So, I mean, I felt, okay, yeah, you know, he's like Star Trek. And so we, like I said, we sit out, we, we started talking and, and he had some good ideas too. And for whatever reason, we were able to bounce stuff off each other. Cause I work, I think I work better with a partner to bounce off. I do. That's um, interesting. And, and, and it worked. I mean, me and him gelled like my friend Donna and I gelled. We worked together and created something. So, yeah, we just, you know, we just started doing that. And, and when I pitched another session, when I booked one, I just said, hey, I got a new partner and they're, they're fine. I mean, that was cool with them. And we got different, you know, writers. Like, I think we did, we pitched Michael Piller actually once. Yes. Yeah, we got, you know, we got, that was intimidating, let me tell you. But, um, you know, we had our favorite guys, like you'd go, oh, we got them. Because sometimes it's the same thing. Um, you you click with those writers. Like my friend Donna, there's one time, the one we sold actually, uh, I think I was talking to Joe Manowski maybe, and she recognized me and him were bouncing. So she backed off. I mean, you just kind of have to do it. If there's a connection and you see it happening, you know, the idea is to sell you know get them to like what you're selling and, and produce it because you want to see it um so i mean there's jack had that too sometimes 
but you know we we did i think we, we pitched several times to star trek and they liked one of them actually but they were doing a, uh it was what was it it was a little green man it was originally going to be a star trek episode as we pitched it you want to i feel like i'm dominating jack come yeah, on okay. man you're the, you're the talker <laughs> But that's like our our pitch and se pitch session over there in at the, at the studio. <laughs> um, well, as far as Little Green Man, I had to toss out the idea to Tony, and she said, "Well, that sounds pretty good." And because it was just supposed to be Ferengi, I had been watching. Um, well, I was taking a college course, and I uh, and it was online, or I was doing my homework or something, and. I always had to have something going on in the background. And I had the uh, Unsolved Mysteries with uh, Robert Stack. And there was an episode where they were talking to the widow of the uh, Air, Air Force pilot that had flown the alleged uh, alien bodies. And he described them to his wife. And she said they were, they were real short. They had big heads, big ears, <laughs> sunken eyes. And I was, wait a minute, that, that, that's Quark, you know? So <laughs> we started, uh, we went from there. But and, yeah, it was just it was generic. It was just generic Ferengis, because right. yeah, because it was originally like they're going back to uh to to, to fix that the Ferengis right. code flash and stuff. They were going to erase the uh, their interference. But, yeah, that's what I was wondering about that. If it was so, this was for Next Generation. Um, was it? Did did your original story have the uh, the cast the, the regular cast members in there, or was it all going to be Ferengi focused? No, it's like Picard and right, you know, them going down mm -hmm. to fix it. But you know, at that time they're already doing a time travel, time zero, so it's kind of like, yeah, we can't. We like it, we really like it, but we can't use it. And and that time we, I think you had a really good relationship with Renee and Cheveria, Jack, but he was a really nice guy and yeah. so he had moved over to ds9 and i asked him i said hey can we get on in get in on that and he's like let me see what i can do it's so yeah he got us into start pitching to ds9 yeah and he told us to rework rework the story with the deep space nine ferengi so we so, did yeah and that's the thing when i found out ferengi were going to be on deep space nine i was not happy because i just didn't like <laughs> I didn't like them. Well, no one did it first, right? <laughs> well, it wasn't till Quark, honestly. Quark, that's what changed the whole ballgame for me. Me I, too. Me too. I, actor, I, I'm right there with you. <laughs> that actor just really made him, gave him so much depth. Because again, you know, the other ones were more like caricatures, you know. Uh, but he he turned Quark. I mean, all of them, Quark, Rom, Nog, all of them. They, they were fantastic. So yeah, we, we started pitching for them and we actually, I think indiscretion was, we came up with that one and we- uh, we, we pitched them both at the same time. Oh, I didn't think we pitched it then. I thought I, I kind of, no, or did we? Because we it did was a, because Renee liked them both. Okay, okay, yeah, so- You got pitched, the call. Yeah, I was at work. Well, I was at work. My husband says, hey, you need to call Star Trek call. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah. So, I, of course, my boss, super cool guy. <laughs> I was like, can I take the phone call? He's like, sure. So it was Renee. And Renee called and says, hey, just let you know we're buying an indiscretion. He says, are you sitting down? I said, why? He goes, we're also buying Little Green Men. I was like, what? Of course, mm -hmm. that's when the panic sets in. Because <laughs> this wasn't just the idea. They wanted us to do a stories for them. And that was like, for us, that we hadn't done that yet. So it was terrifying. I mean, I was happy, but terrified. I just wanted to ask about that process specifically when, when they want like the, the, to give you the story by credit, I'm assuming that they kind of tell you, you need to put X, Y, and Z in your story and like type it up, you know, the way we want it and then send that back to us. And then, you know, then, then you'll get your check for it. Is, is it like that? Oh, that's just, this is all Jack. Jack, okay. take it away. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's basically what they do. They, they have a set of, because they, they've planned out all the episodes beyond that one. And so there's certain things that they want to put in there that will further the character development. So they told us, you know, exactly what you said. We X, Y, Z in there and 
you know, and, and yeah, but uh, you went to LA. Tell them about your pitch session, Jack. Come on. You mean when we went? No, no, no. You sat in with them for the story breakdown for those stories. Oh, they had, yeah, but they had already bought the story, so I know that. But tell them about that. Yeah, yeah. So who who were you in the the room with when when you were breaking the story? I uh, was in with Robert Wolf, Ron Moore, Renee Echeverria, Ira Bear, and um, it was uh, they pretty much. Uh, uh, Someone on the outside of the office said, "Don't, don't, don't talk too much." You know? <laughs> Not <laughs> intimidating at all. <laughs> Be thankful that, that that they allowed you in. You know, I, they, everybody was pitching out some ideas and what else they could do, and I I threw in some ideas, and they all stopped and looked at me, and I said, "Or, or maybe not," you know. And then I didn't <laughs> say anything after that. <laughs> but um, yeah, they, they were they they really enjoyed it. Ira Bear really enjoyed. Uh, he said, uh, we're gonna, cause Tony said, maybe they'll let us write the script. And I asked him about it and he goes, oh no, no. I'm gonna write this one. Ira Bear wanted to write that one. Mm. And so um, it was- That sounds uh, both both cool and also a little disheartening. <laughs> yeah. But uh, well, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Job, but I think it was job. a lot, there was more fun when we went down and pitched in person because after they bought the two and they aired, I think they aired like in October or November. And then right after that, uh, they asked us, uh, you got any more ideas? You know, why don't you come down and pitch them in person? And Tony said, well, you, do you want to do that? Because you had already done that. But I had not. So I said, yeah, let's do it. it. I think it'd be a lot of fun. So when we got, it was in January, right? It was like around yeah. January yeah. 20th or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and she got a little nervous and I I, I get nervous. I mean, it's crazy. Even even when I first time I pitch, you know, we have like cards or at least index cards with our, you know, the, the bullet points or the highlights or what we wanna and I I'm like freaking out before each time we pitch like that. But once I get in the room, I don't need them. I, I'm fine. But on the way going there, I'm like, stop. I need a bathroom, I'm gonna be sick. I, I I my nerves and Jack's just cool as a cucumber drive. Okay, I'll pull over and I'll be sick the whole way there. And then, but oh, what's wow. I'm fine. And I said, Jack, well, don't, I said, don't, don't get up, you know, don't get angry or don't, not, not angry. Don't, don't become upset. Uh, you know, you, we know our stuff. We have the cards. We're going to be fine. This is so cool. They gave us a tour of all the sets. We met some of the actors that were there because they told us you, why don't we pitch at the end of the day and y'all can go around and see everybody. We met LeVar Burton was directing um, one of the, uh, I think it was the Bar Association. Yeah. And um, uh, he directed he one, of, one of your episodes yeah. too, right? He, he did indiscretion, right? It was really yes. cool because when we were walking back into the studio, they said, the guy with us says, oh, they did uh, indiscretion. He goes, yeah, I directed that. And then he stopped and turned back around and said, Little Green Men too, right? So that was so cool. He just wasn't doing lip service. He was, you know, being truthful and complimentary. That was cool. But uh, but yeah, but see, Jack Jack freaks out when we're in there. When we, we pitched to, was it Robert? It was Robert Hewitt Wolf. Robert Wolf. Yeah. He was talking, he was talking, he was doing it. All of a sudden he just stopped talking. He got a blank, blank he went blank. <laughs> and I was just like, oh crap. So, and I had, but that's where I'm okay. Once I get there, I'm fine. Just getting there, I'm not fine. So again, we balance each other out. We're, we're... I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember anything. <laughs> it was just a blank wall. Deer in the headlights. And she just took off. I mean, she took <laughs> off, and you know, and I was just like, uh, what? What she said? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but you know, they were they were all very nice, and I mean, like I said, it was a good it was a good time, and. And we pitched for a while. We, we, you know, we again we talked to someone and got on in to start pitching for Voyager. You know, same. It's the same kind of process. Once we were in that door, we were able to navigate. It's just getting in that door. You know, you just had to get in the door. Then you could navigate the hallway. I guess is the way to put it. Mm -hmm. um, and so we did. We did Voyager, but we never. We came so close to Voyager together, um, but we never made a sale. But at that point, I ended up. You know stopping 
And then, then that's when Jack used the thing the same way. He pulled somebody, he merged with somebody else and they continued. Yeah, but so, you, you left out that we sold a third story. Oh yeah, I did. Okay, go. We sold a third story to Deep Space Nine called Quorum. And it was a courtroom, well actually it was a jury room type episode where all the characters are locked in a jury room. And That's 12 Angry Men style. Yes. Exactly what it was. But kind it of was, an alien twist because their law was, it wasn't about you committing the crime. That's not what made you guilty. It was what your intent was. That was, that determined the innocence or guilt. Interesting, yeah. There's a little bit of that in, uh, uh, Father, what's the episode where Worf is on trial for shooting down the civilian? Rules of engagement. Yeah, rules of engagement has has a little bit of that. At least that's what the Klingon prosecutor presses him on his intent. Um, it's interesting. Um, so they came up and they said, "Look, we need uh, we need everybody, every character, to to have a secret that nobody knows about, and it's going to come out, so that." It's like when you work with somebody for five years or something, and then all of a sudden they say something one day and you go, wait, you think that way? And then they said, yeah, I always have. And, but it never had, the subject had never come up. So it's about learning new things about the characters. That sounds really cool. I um, Was there a certain character from the show like on trial or were they involved in the jury? It was Rom, he murdered someone. Oh no. But I wish this one had been made. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Ducat. I thought it was Rom. We'd have to go back to find our notes. I, I thought it was Rom just because but, he's the least assuming one you would think would murder someone. But Garrick, it was a it was a Garrick story, and he was gonna he was gonna make everybody change their they were all convinced, and I can't remember if it was if they were guilty or if they that he thought everybody thought the person was guilty or innocent. But he was he was going to manipulate every character oh. into changing their their opinion. That sounds very Garrick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it would have been pretty cool to to see that play out. Actually, yeah. I met I met uh, Andrew Robinson at, at the Las Vegas convention, 2019. They didn't have it last year, and sure. I pitched that to him that that was the story, and he was like, in his Garrick voice, and he says, "I would have been able to do that quite well." <laughs> <laughs> uh, how cool is that yeah that's pretty amazing what were some of the the secrets that you came up with for the for the characters do you, do you remember the oh, specifics God. on those well it's funny you should ask because we started seeing those secrets in um, in uh, subsequent episodes hmm. uh, whole stories uh, developed around those secrets and remember tony you called and say hey wait a minute uh, that secret where the jake's a coward the reason uh, he became a writer was because deep inside he was a coward. And that I think that came out of Nor the Battle to be to be strong, but you haven't you haven't gotten to that point yet. So these are season five and season six episodes. <laughs> <clears throat> but they told Tony that, well, we paid you. We paid you yeah, for the honest, it's, it's their it's their stuff. It's yeah, they they, they sold because that one sold, right? Yeah, they sold it so it's there, so they can produce it or not produce it, but they can also use the fruits of it. Sort of mine it, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with Tor Zial. You know, we came up with Tor Zial, that character, the same thing, that we didn't get credit for the character development. I can't remember why they said that. Because we created the, the, uh, the person, but they created the character, is what they said. What you gotta do. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like they're they're splitting a mighty fine hair there, but but you know, I I still I mean, it was a really fun time. You know, I wouldn't have never met Jack. He's a great guy. You know, my friend and I are still. You know, we we don't I don't write anymore or anything like that. But you know, I got to go to Los Angeles a couple of times. I got to see some of that. I mean, I grew up on Star Trek the original. I can remember watching it. I was only five, but I can remember watching it with my dad. You know, I watched it in the 70s in the reruns, and I'll still watch some of them if I come across them. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I've i always liked Star Trek. I've liked all the subsequent shows except maybe Enterprise. <laughs> you know, I, I do enjoy the new ones now. It took me a while to get into Discovery, but once I did, 
And it's a shame, you know, that they don't do the same type of uh, submissions. But I mean, I just think that was just the thing of the, the time and Michael Pillar, you know, Michael Pillar opened it up and I, I don't think there's going to be another Michael Pillar. Yeah, he is definitely one of a kind. And yeah, I think I think they ran into, you know, legal issues. You kind of, well, some of the stuff it sounds like, you know, you're talking about there. I think, I think that was the reason why they, well, they asked well, that course. policy. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, well, I'll be honest. I mean, did some stuff probably get lifted? Maybe. But how many times is a coincidence? I mean, people can't come up with the same idea thousands of miles away. I mean, that's a fact. So, but yes, I'm sure legality and having people going, you rip me off constantly. It, you know, you weigh that and go, you know what? Never mind. So many good stories came from the the open submission, like uh, not just the the ones that the, the two of you did, but I mean, a lot of the, like the the big classics. Like I think yesterday's Enterprise that was yeah. that was something that someone submitted. Well, I think Tin Man. I think Tin. Wasn't Tin mm-hmm. Man a guy from Austin? And oh, Eric really? Stilwell. Eric Stilwell also. That's right, Eric. Yeah. I want to say Tin Man. I think whoever wrote that one was from Austin. I want to oh, say. Oh yeah, Tin Man. Yes. Yeah, that's a uh, for further investigation. Then that sounds interesting too. Yeah, we'll have to there look into go. that one. I can I can get you his name. Uh, I think. I thought it was interesting that both uh, both of y'all were at least somewhat inspired by the, I guess I'd say the lackluster opening of uh, Star Trek Next Generation, the kind of rough early seasons to, uh, it sounds like y'all felt like, hey, we could we could match or better that. Yeah, or... we can do better than, than season well, one Next Generation. Yeah, I mean, it's part of the problem is you always, you know, whenever something new comes out, you're going to compare it to the original. I mean, you just are. And if you have strong feelings about the original, you're already kind of be biased against the new thing so it really sure. has to impress you and and like jackson i agree the first season was kind of like cheap looking i mean you know it's like looking at old doctor who and now doctor who you can see the difference um i'm not and i love doctor who old and new but you can still production wise see the difference um but yeah it, it wasn't till you know the borg that the year of the borg where they just really it just took off and the characters finally melded and gelled into a really good ensemble that played, you know, played well with each other. But it, it did take some time for that to happen. And, you know, unfortunately, Denise Crosby left, and I like Yar, but it also got, got us Michael Dorn and brought him up to the forefront. Would that have happened if she'd stayed? I don't know. But I think he contributed so much, and I loved when he went into Deep Space Nine. You know? Yeah, I, I'm just now, of course, hitting that, and I'm super excited uh, at how well they integrated it organically into the story. They felt like they they had learned a lot from from uh, Next Generation, and uh, we're getting pretty good at that serial format. That that actually that that sort of brings me to a question I was curious about. Um, is you know, there's a, Trek, of course, famously had so many standalone episodes early on. Um, as but as Deep Space Nine and uh, would develop, they became a little bit more mod- like the modern serial stories. Correct. Yeah. Um, with with like say indiscretion, um, you know, like Little Green Men felt like you know a fairly standalone, but indiscretion has like sort of more long ranging repercussions. It it felt like it hit the serial side of things. Um, how much you know, of that were was um, like did did you did you ever how often did you do those ones that were more serial like that? We actually pitched one, uh, which, which we did. We pitched, and if, correct me if I'm wrong, Jack. It was one where you know how O'Brien's always got stuff. So I figured, as a wife, he might bring some stuff home, dangerous to the kids. But what I, we did, I flipped it where it was Keiko who had this little thing that it promoted growth for her plant. Mm-hmm. But uh, Molly messed with it, and it caused her to age rapidly. Mm. And so now she's this adult, she's this childhood. Keiko's furious because she's still so guilty. You know, she's always worried about Miles doing it and she did it. And so the ending of that is they don't fix it. They keep her an adult for a while. So that like now, you know, Jake, like now she's Jake's peer, her and Jake develop into a relationship. Because, yeah, by, know, by, by yeah. adult, it was, she was about 16. 16 yeah. years old right so you had because you know in those stories what do you think at the end okay she'll be back to a kid problem solved but this one would have long-term effects where 
later on when they figure out a way to reverse it, you know, Jake has feelings for her. You know, he doesn't want that to go back because, you know, they're in love. And, you know, Keiko wants her little girl back because, you know, she missed all that. So at the very end, it's Jake that has to convince her to go back and live her life. She missed so much. So at the end, the very end of it would be when little Molly tells Jake, I love you, the difference. It's, it's from a little kid. It's not the, the mm. woman or girl he loved. But you kept it for a while. But I like that. That's one of, I mean, it. one of the things I've been really enjoyed about getting into Deep Space Nine now is that that sense of continuity and that, you know, you can have those sort of repercussions and callbacks and things like that. So, yeah, yep. I think that that would have been neat to, to really neat to see play out. Yes. And I like that, too, because, you know, in the original Star Trek, they solve a problem. We don't know what happens afterwards. But on Deep Space Nine, that problem can rear its ugly head or not. It could be something good later <laughs> on down the line. Because they can't go anywhere. They have to deal with whatever was done. So I, I did like that about Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, I talked and to I assume... Robert Wolf about that. And yeah, that's how he describes it. He says, our problems never went away. We just kept getting new, newer and newer problems. <laughs> but, you know, but again, that, that made it a, quite a different show from um, you know, Next Generation. And, and that was something I liked because to me, you know, you have to... The same old stuff doesn't keep working. It, you're, you're like beating a dead horse. You know, now Voyager, they moved them way away. And it, so it's kind of the old track, but with a, you know, a twist that there's no Federation for them to go to help and stuff. And they did still run into the same old problems. So it's almost a hybrid, you know, of the two. So I like Voyager too. I just, I just don't tend to care for prequels. So, because I feel sometimes they change the canon of Star Trek, for sure, and I don't, for sure. I don't like that. Well, I like that pitch that we gave where, where Odo became a, a giant, a tall Ferengi, and Cork became the little short changeling. They switched. It was what we call a Ferengi like me, and Odo had to had to endure all the ridicule that the Ferengis, you know, were you know had to endure, and. So and then we had Quark doing all kinds of crazy stuff because he had changeling powers, you know. So I actually so their uh, minds were were switched, like or no, it would it, would, it sounds like it would have been Armin in the Ferengi makeup. I mean, I mean in the changeling makeup, and then yes. Renee in the Ferengi got makeup. Got it. Got it. Exactly. Exactly. Which would have been incredible. That would have been that. That's funny. Just picturing what that would look like is funny. <laughs> But yeah, you could you could do that. Those actors were tremendous with what they did. So yeah, there are so there's so many possibilities. Yeah, they had pretty good chemistry. But that, that's yeah. that's cool that y'all uh, I guess must have picked up on that on some level and been like, oh yeah, we can write a story about like the two of them together. You know, they have this interesting dynamic. It was just fun sitting around pitching ideas to each other and coming up with some that were outrageous at times, but just doing that it was just fun. And then it was even you know, cooler that sometimes they like the story and you bought it. So, and then you yeah. have to go hang out on set and meet LeVar Burton. Like, how awesome mm -hmm. is that? I know. Yes, he was. Yes, and when and and just I mean, like, I you know, I a lot of it. I looked at the production because I worked in TV production and stuff. So I looked more at what how they did stuff more than the shooting of the actors. But I was just really when I saw. Um, Nom, I can't think of his name right now. Rom. Matt. Yeah, Mac. I think I was taller than he was, and I'm only five four. <laughs> and just just the makeup on him, it was just so caked on and obvious. But when he gets on camera, it looks so smooth <laughs> and stuff. But he was a really nice guy too. What was that like being on the the Deep Space Nine set? Like everyone I've talked to who's ever been there, they say that that promenade set is just just so amazing to yeah, see with the spiral staircase yeah yeah yes and did, then you, did you go into the, the bar did you actually like go in go into quartz they were, they were shooting in the bar they were shooting in the bar so we didn't but we were on the promenade and then of course you look out the windows and it's just a, a curtain with sequins mm -hmm. but it looks so damn real when they're shooting so uh, i mean yes it was a, i wish i'd taken i don't think i took any pictures i think i was just like walk around <laughs> in a daze honestly 
it, it, the experience uh, is is in in your head. Uh, that's that's amazing. Yeah, Tony, you said you're a, you're a fan of Doctor Who. Uh, I always say that if if the if the Doctor from Doctor Who showed up with his TARDIS and, and invited me to go anywhere in space and time, I would actually I would I would go back in time to the '90s to LA just to go visit the Deep Space Nine promenade mm-hmm. set. That's my that's my first stop to go to out of, out of anything there is. So. So that's how that's how jealous I am knowing that, that that you get to go hang out there. That sounds just so freaking cool. Well, yeah, I, I was trying to think, and I, yeah, I got to I got to um, I did also the Enterprise too because when I pitched that first time with Donna, we saw the set, and I want to say Michael Westmoreland was there, who I did I find out you know I watched Face Off on Sci Fi Channel, and that's his daughter, and sometimes. He made an appearance on there, but that was that was kind of weird too. Just being on that set, it wasn't the original that I grew up with, but still, that was neat to see Kirk's chair. I didn't oh, ask yeah. him to get out of. Uh, I'm sorry, Picard's chair. I didn't ask him to get out of Picard's chair. I just sit there was like, oh, okay, cool. But um, but yeah, it was it was crazy, and that would be my other thing too. If I had to go, I'd want to see the TARDIS. I would love to be in a TARDIS. <laughs> oh yeah. We did get to sit or, or visit the uh, Voyager bridge. Uh, they weren't filming on it that day. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, was it David Carson, the director, was in there? I, I can't. He was sitting in the in the captain's chair and he was going well, Maybe over. I wonder if that's my memory. I'm, com- I'm confusing now. I'm like melding memories. Or it was an alternate timeline. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some yesterday's Enterprise. Your Guinan and yesterday's Enterprise you have your, your memories of different timelines merging. <laughs> So, so Jack, you you walked in on on director David Carson sitting in Janeway's chair. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think the production associate Jacques Gravitz, um, he said, uh, "Hope you don't mind. We're just, you know, we're giving these, uh, you know, freelance writers a little a little tour." And he was very nice. We we just talked to him for a couple of seconds. You know, hello, and pretty much just looked around. We we also went to the Voyager. Uh, transporter and we stood up there i got a picture of that yep yep and uh i think we we got a picture where we're standing in front of the gene roddenberry building Mm -hmm. nice who's also from texas he was born in el paso yes i guess he has some relevance to the franchise (laughs) a little bit a little bit you know you were you were talking about the chemistry of uh armin shimmerman and um uh renee abergenois and, and it got me to thinking, um, you know, that's one of the things that, that was really fascinating about Indiscretion was seeing Kira and, and Ducat in uh, close proximity like that. Um, was that, um, was that uh, the, the sort of one of the big draws in writing that, uh, writing that initial story? Yeah, because it's like they have a love, love's probably not the right word, but a hate relationship. But, but you know, a lot of times love comes from hate. I mean, it's just, there's that fine line. Mm-hmm. And they're also very similar. You know, they may never want to, well, he'd probably admit it, she won't. But uh, yeah, I, it, I like the dynamic between those two. It's very, very explosive. So that, I, that was a good episode. I mean, our, our original had her not knowing that was his daughter until she found her and she turned because you had the classic Cardassian neck. So mm-hmm. but when she turned and saw the Bajoran face, it was like at that moment when she realized, uh-oh, this is not a rescue mission. But that oh. was the further down the road. Uh, so they changed that somewhat because they, of course, equated to the searchers, which, you know, after, you know, we while we are pitching it, he's right. It was the searchers i i saw that movie when i was little so yeah i could see that being the searchers but yeah they tweaked some of that um there i i kind of liked our reveal better where we're the we're we're kira and we think we're on a rescue mission and suddenly at the last minute nope this is not what it was supposed to be but you know it's still still a good episode did it still uh, play out similarly in yours where he's he's planning to kill her but but withholds Yes, he did not kill her. No, no, I think he chased her and- uh, He was gonna kill her. Yeah, that's right, because Odo, Odo didn't trust him, so he snuck aboard. 
Mm. And he was, he sat there and was watching and then they were running when she was trying to save uh, Corzio, Uh And they had, a, they, they fell off a cliff. It was like, help us. And, and he, you know, he's like trying to make a decision whether to save him or not. And then she fell, but Odo got him. And then that was a big question. Would you, were you going to let us fall or not? And he didn't know. I love hearing about some of these uh, these uh, little asides and differences in them. That's really cool uh, that, that Odo would have had a, had a presence in there. I love it. Well, one thing early on Tony and I decided to do was focus on the secondary, the support cast. Mm -hmm. I said, we, we decided if we, if we came up with stories for them, I, we thought we'd have a, a greater chance, you know, of, of making a, a sale. And of course, even though it, the stories are about the secondary characters, you always pull in the main characters. But we figured that everybody's going to be pitching a Cisco story. Everybody's going to be pitching, you know, uh, a Kira story, but maybe not Kira and Dukat, especially you know, working together like like you mm -hmm. said. So yeah, I, we did a lot of stories that focused on secondary characters, well, especially Little Green Men. I mean, that was just Odo and the all the Frankies. <laughs> And, yeah, that, you know, the idea comes back of, of Odo sneaking aboard in Little Green Men. Yeah, we had him as the dog and they kept it. It was like, that was cool. Because, <laughs> you know, there'd been, a, but I mean, that story, and I'm glad, I, I mean, honestly, I'm glad they passed on Next Generation because that story worked so much better on Deep Space Nine because you had Quark, Ram, and Nog. So you, you had these developed characters be these springy and not some, you know, guest stars. Hmm. and they wouldn't have been really fleshed out so that worked so much better and i mean now all the sci-fi uh genre that was all that was all ara you know his thing but it worked out i i think that even added to the story i'm just curious uh, was the um it's, it's it's a really one of their i think one of the great comedic episodes of trek you know kind of getting up there with uh, some of my favorite original series episodes like piece of the action or trouble with tribbles uh, was was it as comedic in its original format and its gestation? It was it was comedic with the Ferengi. Mm -hmm. You know, they're dealing with the the humans that part because I mean, you know, like a lot of that stuff with Quark realizing that they're so far technologically behind. You know, he was having a ball. So there was <laughs> that kind of comedy, but the the way they did it with the sci-fi genre uh, that never crossed our minds to do um and that was cool and then they named they actually named uh nurse garland well i know that was after beverly garland yes. my dad my dad's name is garland so he he yeah. swore he thought i oh you named her after me it's like <laughs> sure dad yeah yeah <laughs> but you know i it just that just works so much better and again because you're dealing with those actors that just really brought the comedy and everything to that episode. Yeah, all the all the Earth characters were named after science fiction B movie stars. No, oh, interesting. So, Rex Denning, General Rex Denning, Rex Rex Reason, Richard Denning, Doctor Carson, you know Carlson, you know Beverly Beverly Garland was Faith from, and Faith was from uh, this island Earth. They had them all. They had all the. Uh, the, uh, the 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 actors' names as a, an homage to 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 them. Oh yeah, I think that was a Robert Wolf thing because he, he did that again in that season four two parter, uh, Homefront and mm -hmm. Paradise Lost. Uh, a lot of the characters are named after characters from Catch Twenty Two, the the novel. Okay. okay. I did not know that. Yeah, he, he some, sometimes. I mean, if if you're you know one of the main writers on a TV show and you're doing 26 episodes a year, it probably does get old having to like think up names all the time. So, I, I get it. I get it. Mm -hmm. Heck, I just watched. I just got through watching some of the leverage that just dropped, and, and they introduced themselves as Alistair Lethbridge Stewart. You recognize that name, right? What was the name? Alistair Lethbridge Stewart. Yes, that's from Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh -huh. My husband, did, he doesn't watch Doctor Who. I, I started laughing. He goes, what's so funny? I said, oh, I'm sorry. You won't get it. But I do. <laughs> so yeah, I like when there's a lot of name droppings. So, but. Well, well, Jack, let me ask you, because it sounds like you, you were 
pitching more stories uh, on, I guess, the Voyager side of things? No, no. We, um, we, went, we went all the way through almost the end of Voyager, Tony and I. But uh, after a while, uh, we, we kept seeing a lot of uh, too many stories similar to what we had pitched. And mm. so we decided, like, we're not going to pitch anymore. So we yeah. just we just ended that. But I had a buddy that I had met up at the San Diego Comic Con, and he had uh, his name was Steve Frapp, and he had pitched, unbeknownst to me or Tony, but he had pitched to uh, Next Generation, D Space Nine, Voyager, and had never sold, had never sold, and but he had he had an in to the studio, and uh, he. He asked me to go pitch with him to Enterprise. At when Enterprise began, they decided to write everything in-house. But he called them up and he said, "Hey, you made a commitment to me to let me pitch whenever I wanted." They looked it up and they go, "You're right." So we pitched to Enterprise, and we were going to sell a story about Hoshi uh, Communications. It was a communication there, and they were they were going to encounter. Uh, uh, the nomad probe before it emerged you know nomad in the original series was yeah. uh had, yeah absolutely had crashed into the other and they were going to encounter the other before it had uh, merged with nomad and so uh andre bormanis he liked that connection because he, he had a connection to the original series but it wasn't you know an up an out and out connection right up front so they were going to buy that but uh, upn cut the schedule from 26 to 22 episodes and i told steve i said there goes our episode oh. he goes why they liked it and i go well whose whose story do you think they're going to cut theirs or somebody from the outside <laughs> so he said we'll see about that and he called him up and then he called me back and he said yeah you're right they cut it so yeah. we would have That's had a an enterprise story. Do you remember if that would have been in, in season three or season four? Yes. Season three. Season three. Yeah, that's uh, that's unfortunate because I I, I kind of like that idea more than some of the stuff they did in season three of that show. Yeah, well, they were they were they uh, Rick Berman wanted to distance himself from the other Star Treks, and he had his. He always wanted to have his own version of Star Trek done, and, and that's what it was. I, that's why in the beginning it was just called Enterprise. There was no Star Trek. I think they didn't add the name Star Trek back to it until, what, season three maybe? Right, and from what I understand, that was the, the network UPN decided to do that because they, they uh, overruled Berman and and put the star trek back in there which makes sense to them because you know it's like no like we need to advertise this as, as star trek like that's that's a popular thing so why would you not call it that yeah well they when it when it premiered they had like 22 million viewers and then subsequent weeks it just went down and down and down yeah yeah for they were, four they years were, yeah they wanted to see all the connections the pre the pre-kirk connections and i think that's why this new uh <clears throat> Star Trek Captain Pike uh, yeah. series. Strange they New Worlds, yeah. Yeah, Strange New Worlds, you're right. Um, they promised to go back to that format, you know, you know, standalone episodes, adventures and things, so. Yeah, well, I'm very much looking forward to that. Yes, I, I really liked uh, those characters and they brought them in on Discovery. Yeah, I, I think everyone, everyone loved Anson Mount, like, <laughs> More, more than anyone thought they would. I, th I think, I think he kind of stole the show there for a moment. They're like, we, we have to give this dude his own show. Like he's, <laughs> he's too popular to, to, to not do that. Well, I only knew him from Hell on Wheels. So, uh, you know, especially he got that beard and everything. But, dang, I mean, you know, Pike was on what the that one episode in the pilot, whatever. Mm -hmm. But still, he, he was great, and I really liked Rebecca Romaine as number one. So I'm mm -hmm. curious to see what other F, uh, other crew members they bring in besides Spock. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be really cool. Well, just to uh, close things out, uh, do do either of you have any other 
work that you've done in the past or or anything that you would just like to mention now no my things i did my star trek thing i had a really good time doing it and you know when it ended you know i still continue watching but i really don't do any writing or anything but go ahead jack well we don't we need <laughs> another hour <laughs> I, I got into the fan film you know venue and so i did a bunch of fan films star trek of gods and men star trek continues the pilot episode Pil pilgrim of eternity uh <clears throat> vic monona he's a uh, out of houston i think mm -hmm. it's captain kirk and they did like 10 or 11 episodes and they used the old uh, farragut sets uh and it's a continuation of the original Star Trek season going on to season four. And um, Star Trek Renegades, I did an animated Star Trek Farragut, The Needs of the Many. And uh, I wrote a book, my first book. It's called Unwanted. It's a sci-fi Western, Western with sci-fi elements. So nice. So Western and sci-fi somehow uh, seem like they, they go together pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> that was the original pitch for Star Trek, right? Gene Roddenberry was telling the, the networks, he said, it was going to be wagon train to the stars. Yeah, well, when I say sci-fi elements, I don't necessarily mean spaceships and stuff, because uh, they did Cowboys and Aliens, and it didn't, it didn't really catch mm -hmm. on with the audience. But mine, uh, mine is... Uh, the sci-fi element is to explain how these characters are were able to do all the tall tales of the West. Oh, so yours is a, a more of a Western with sci-fi uh, elements in it than it is say, uh, like Firefly, I guess, where it's a Western themed future. Right, exactly. No, it takes place, you know, in, in 1872 or something like that. So, mm -hmm. but you know, there were all kinds of tall tales about people that could do these unusual things <clears throat> and mine explains why they were able to do that and that's where the sci-fi part comes in i think that's a very cool premise indeed and and jack just to dimension a couple of days ago me and dave just randomly it, it wasn't planned because we knew we were talking to you we just randomly happened to have been watching of gods and men with a, another friend of ours who's who's really into some of the, the fan film stuff and, and we had a, a pretty fun time watching that it was a it was a, yeah, a fun remember, story we, you gotta remember we had a budget of like a dollar 97 <laughs> it was like it was like less than one percent of jj abrams budget mm -hmm. but i thought you know everybody wanted to do it all you know the uh the producer uh, sky conway was able to bring in a lot of star trek actors and this yeah. was going to be a 40th 40th anniversary uh, of Star Trek uh, for the fans, and so they all they all understood, and they all they all wanted to do their best, you know, to do something for the fans. And we thought it was a nice little story, and you know, we they was talk the the uh, CGI people are talking about trying to you know because back at that time they didn't have all the tools that they have now, you know. Now you thinking about like a remaster or something or a yeah like yeah the special edition where they they go back and and upgrade all the special effects because some of them in there you know for the time it was okay but for now you know it wouldn't it wouldn't hold up well the star power certainly holds up it's uh it's pretty it was pretty wild seeing that that collection of actors all in one place and calling back um oh or gary mitchell and mm -hmm. um, charlie uh, yeah. so that was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, it was. That's why, because we wanted to include characters because it was a 40th anniversary uh, film. We wanted to go back to, try to go back as far as we could and bring in and somehow bring all these characters together, but in a different, telling a different story. They're them, but they're not really them, so. That's a sort of unique challenge to try and wrangle all of those pieces. <laughs> but but you you still managed to get someone from from every show, so that was uh right. That was well, impressive. It was supposed to be it was supposed to be Ohura, Chekhov, and Sulu, but George Takei at the last minute said he couldn't do it, and the producer said we're we're done. We can't. I need the three, the military, the pacifist, and um, the uh, military pacifist and the terror. Uh, the, the, 
renegade uh, type person. Yeah. Freedom, freedom fighter, excuse me. Mm -hmm. And he had told me that he was friends with Alan Ruck. And I said, well, why can't we get Alan Ruck to be the military? Because, you know, he was in Star Trek and he said he was, he, he didn't, he didn't, <laughs> after original Star Trek, he didn't watch anything. So I told him about Alan Ruck's character and I said, Uhura, uh, Uhura and Chekhov could have taken him under their wing and, and they became good friends. And so I, that's in the movie. Well, as uh, Father will tell you, when we watched uh, uh, Generations a uh, year or two back, that uh, I, I, I mentioned that I'd always liked, uh, you know, kind of liked Alan Ruck's performance, even in a small role, uh, and, and kind of wanted to see a little bit more and see his captain get to develop. So uh, so I really enjoyed that. And also, of course, getting to see his uh, alternate world version, too, was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a selling point for him. We told him he was going to be the hero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he was, he, he, I thought he had really good on-screen chemistry with uh, Chase Masterson. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you both so much for being uh, generous with your time and uh, sharing all this with us and with our listeners and viewers. And I just want to uh, remind everyone out there that Dave and I will be back next week to talk about the San Diego Comic-Con news we're getting on Star Trek Prodigy, Star Trek Lower Decks, and hopefully some other stuff as well. That's all that's announced right now at time of recording. And uh, before long, we'll be talking about the, the new episodes of Star Trek again with Lower Decks premiering on August 12th. Yay! <laughs> so Tony's a fan. I am. I didn't think I would be, but I am. Uh, yeah, so we'll be, uh, we'll be looking forward to that. And until next time, as always, live long and prosper, y'all. Listen to the Text Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at text-trek.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash text-trek. And follow Fathery on Twitter at txtrek. Please support us by liking our videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you and take care.